Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's quick episode is about the seven types of love and the people who you should choose to be in your life. So green flags of positive relationship traits. So the number one type of love is Eros and it's the romantic love. It's an intense um, attraction, sexual attraction for, for somebody else. Um, Very passionate, very overwhelming. Overwhelming to the point that the Greek gods thought it would cause somebody to lose control of of themselves over their words and actions. Um, In today's society, we might refer to it as a lustful love, romantic, lustful. Eros can be very dangerous if it's not quickly tamed. So we find two examples of Eros in the Old Testament. Samson was slow to figure out, but he finally understood the danger of Eros after his passion for Delilah backfired on him. Samson was an overconfident guy, and for some reason he just was that way. He was very overconfident, and um, God blessed him with great strength, but it was pretty evident that he hadn't really been blessed with common sense or uh, impulse control for that matter. So um, Samson uh, took part in sleeping with harlots. You can find this in Judges 6.1. He burned the grain fields in revenge. That's in Judges 15.5. Then he met Delilah. That's in Judges 16. And he could not keep his hands off her. Um, He was just completely lusting after her and um, she tricked him into telling her what where he got his strength from and later on when he was sleeping um, she uh, you know you know the story she had his hair like shaved off Um, and the the Philistines arrested him and gouged out his eyeballs so um King David also had trouble keeping his hands to himself, and um, he saw the the Bathsheba bathing one day, and they were both already married. But he immediately sent for Bathsheba so he could be, so he could basically knock boots with her. And a few months later, she sent word to him that she was pregnant by him. Um, so David instantly started to plot Bathsheba's husband's death. And it appears that the Greeks had their definition of Eros correct. It, it can be a dangerous thing. So Eros is the lustful romantic love. Philia is affectionate love. So all love is affectionate in some way. Um, philia love is the one that doesn't really involve passion or sex, sexual impulses. It's more like a love between good friends or goodwill between you and somebody that you're, you admire or respect. So philia love between Jesus and his disciples. That was philia. That's where we see that. They started as a ragtag group of people that uh, Jesus gathered. They ended up becoming the best of friends and They ministered together um, long after Jesus went back to heaven. Um, Apostle John 
also noted that philia is the kind of love that clearly defines what it means to be a Christian. Um, 1 John 3.16 By this we know love because he had laid down his life for all of us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. And then he goes on in verse 18 and says, My little children, let us not love in world or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So Philia can feed back into Eros love to help build a romantic relationship over, you know, a long term. Um, But among friends, Philia stands alone as a platonic love. It's a deep um, platonic love. So there's no sex or romance involved. Storge is familiar love. Storge. Through storge can be confused with philia, love among friends. Um, and it says here that it has more to do with love of a family, the way family members love each other. Um, it's recognized as a love between like a parent and a child. It's a very strong bond that is not easily broken. Um, and Eros, the romantic love, and Philia, the affectionate love, often involve into storage as the relationship grows and deepens. But storage is more about parents and their kids. Um, we see several examples of storage in the Bible, starting with Father God himself. His great love for his son Jesus is abundantly apparent, but especially in Matthew 3.17. It says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Other great examples of storage are the centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant, Luke 7, 1 through 10, and Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Um, the woman who begged Jesus to deliver her daughter from demon possession, that's another great example of storage. That's in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And then Jairus, the synagogue leader who begged Jesus to heal his daughter because she was near death. And that can be found in Mark 5, 21 through 24. So each of their parents, and there are definitely more, had storage for their children. If you have kids, you already know what storage feels like. And you have to admit it's a pretty cool feeling to love somebody that deeply and that much. A love that you never imagined you could feel. That's storage, the love of your child. Okay, the next one is pragma. This is the enduring love. So if you're married and you've been married for a while or if you've been um, together with somebody for a long time, you're probably well aware that there comes a time when the honeymoon is over. (laughs) The eros you both had settled into a nice storage philia mix and life goes merrily along. But if you last long enough, eventually you have pragma, the enduring love or the mature love. Pragma is where we get the English word pragmatic. It's a practical kind of love that stands the test of time. It's the kind of love a husband and wife have after 50 years of marriage and they still want to kiss and hold hands. As the opposite of eros where passion burns white hot and fades quickly, pragma is more like an aged fine wine. It matures and it grows over time into something truly, truly special. The Bible doesn't have many amazing tales of enduring love like pragma, but we can see evidence of it when we read about Abraham and Sarah. 
They had been married for decades before God finally blessed them with a son. It takes pragma for a couple to last that long, enduring life's ups and downs while waiting for God's promise to come true. Eventually, God did keep his promise in Genesis 21, 1-7. We also see a hint of pragma with Ruth and Boaz in the book of Ruth. After Boaz agreed to marry Ruth, their marriage endured long enough. They were able to see their son, Obed, grow to have a son named Jesse, who grew to have a son named David. We might suppose that Jacob and Rachel had pragma, but she died while giving birth to Benjamin in Genesis 35, 16-20. Given Jacob's incredible love for her, though, we might assume that they would have had pragma eventually. They certainly had arrows in storage. So this next one is a little tough to pronounce. It's um, philautia. It's self-love and self-compassion. Through self-love, we can self-love can be a little unhealthy in nature. Um, philautia refers to a healthy self-esteem. So Dr. Neil Burton at Psychology Today describes himself as the emotional appraisal of our own worth relative to that of others. It is the matrix through which we think, feel, act, and reflect, and it determines our relation to ourselves, to others, and to the world. That's him describing self-esteem. So if we feel we have worth that causes us to think, feel, and act in healthy ways, we have good self-esteem that enables us to give and receive love properly. If we have a good self-esteem, we have philautia, We can also think of philautia as self-compassion, where we try to eat healthy food, get enough sleep and exercise. If we get sick, we might take necessary medicines or go to a doctor to feel better. If we didn't have self-compassion, we would not have philautia. A great example of philautia in the Bible is Daniel, when he and his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are hard to pronounce, were captured by the Babylonian army. They were taken to King Nebuchadnezzar's palace to learn the Chaldean language and Babylonian culture. The king gave them gourmet food and wine every day, but Daniel did not want to defile himself with such an ungodly diet. He convinced his friends to do the same. So Daniel asked the head of the eunuchs, to allow them to eat only vegetables and drink only water for 10 days in honor of God. And at the end of 10 days, the boys looked healthier than any of the other captive boys. Daniel was primarily honoring God, but because of his philistia, he kept himself healthy so he could withstand the trials he was going through in Babylon, and God blessed him for it. And then there's a verse from Daniel 1.17, And that says, As for these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So, philatia is self-love, self-compassion, and a healthy self-esteem. The next one is ludus. Um, This is playful love. So, if you've ever been in love, you have no doubt you felt ludus. It's the butterflies in your stomach, the heartbeat increasing, 
the anxiousness you feel when you're waiting for your love interest to come through that door. It's the flirting, the teasing, the playing that you do in early stages of dating. And the focus is usually more on fun rather than building a relationship. An example of Ludus love in the Bible is between King Solomon and the unknown maiden in the book of Song in Solomon. Though we have no idea who this woman was, some scholars believe her family was employed by Solomon. According to Ecclesiastes 9.9, she eventually became his first wife. That is, before he married 699 other women and kept 300 concubines. Solomon was a horn dog. The entire book of the Song of Solomon, which Solomon wrote as a musical score, is overflowing with flirting and the longing they both felt for each other. The language of the song even gets a little racy in Song of Solomon 4, 3 through 5. I'll let you look that up. It was rather spicy for its time. We might say Solomon and the Maiden both had Ludus and Eros love. And our final, last but not least, love type is called agape. And that means unconditional love. Agape agape is by far the most special, most respectful of all of the Greek types of love. It is the kind of love that Jesus refers to again and again throughout his ministries. And is one, is one, it is the one all of the Christian faiths encompass. Agape, agape, ugh, tongue-tied today, sorry. Agape is universal, unconditional, selfless love for other people. It involves being altruistic and caring more for others than you care for you. Jesus perfectly exemplified agape love when he died on the cross to save us all from sin and death. He suffered so we could be set free. So as Christians, we are called to have agape love for others, which is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. In this scripture, Jesus seems to be simply answering the Pharisees' question, when in fact he's giving us the greatest commandment of all Christians to follow. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus repeatedly taught his disciples and thousands of others about agape love. He openly displayed it everywhere he went, from the Sermon on the Mount to countless healings, raising Lazarus from the dead and dying for all of us. Jesus was the perfect embodiment of agape love. He is the finest example of love we have, and it's the one we should all be striving to copy every single day. We're all experiencing different types of love depending on situations, but agape is the most important one to focus on. To give agape love is to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. And now abide in faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Corinthians 13, 13. So where did I find this awesome information? This is on www.stepofstepoffaith, and it's spelled S-T-E-P-P-E-S-O-F-F-A-I-T-H dot com. And then uh, slash faith slash seven types love Bible. So I hope that was helpful. 
Let me take a quick break before we move on. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, thank you for hanging in there. So, quick recap. Eros love is passionate, lustful, and um, a stereotype of romantic love. Ludus is a love that's played as a game or a sport or a conquest. Uh, you might have multiple partners. Storge is affectionate love that slowly develops from friendship. Pragma is love that is driven by the head, not the heart. Agape is unconditional, selfless, altruistic love. And which one am I missing? Which one am I missing? Whoops. Okay, we have another one here. Mania, obsessive love, toxic, toxic love, bad, bad, bad. Mania, uh, you have all the highs and lows, and you're often jealous. And then we have philia, affectionate love. And philia is how we feel about our good friends. Storage, I already went over. And then I'm missing philautia, self-love, self-compassion, and a good self-esteem. So that gives you an idea of what kind of, how, how many different kinds of love we do have in our lives, right? And now let me go over some green flags to help you to have that beautiful love in your life, the agape love, that relationship, that marriage that will last forever. You want the agape, you want the storage, you want the arrows, you want to kind of have them all, all wrapped up in this one person. A, a lasting person and for that you need a healthy individual with a healthy self-esteem and some of these green flags number one they always choose you they choose you over everything else they choose you over everybody else you are their person they allow you to be yourself they don't criticize you they don't make fun of the way you laugh they don't minimize your feelings they allow you to be 100% you, and they support that. They make you feel good about yourself. They make you feel good all the way down to your central nervous system. You feel energized with this person. You feel lifted. You feel safe, secure, relaxed. You want. They want to see you win. So they're always supporting and encouraging you to go after your dreams. That's a wonderful person. They don't try to control you. They know they don't own you. They know it is a privilege and a gift to be with you. And they treat you as such. They never try to control you. They allow you to make your own decisions. And they have faith and trust in you. Um, you don't need to perform for these people. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to put on a mask and pretend you're something you're not. You can just 100% be you. 
with your awkwardness, your quirkiness, and all the other traits that you have. You can just be you. You can breathe easily around this person. You have complete trust, complete comfort, complete security. The other person sees you, really sees you. They see you, they hear you, they get you, and you have absolutely no doubt in your heart that they do. They will ask you about your day. They will ask you, how are you? How are you really? And it's not like others where they say, how are you? And they truly don't give a shit and they want you to just say, oh, I'm good. No, these people that you want to surround yourself with, they truly do want to know how you're doing. And if you're feeling bad, they want to help you process it. They want to hear all about it. They want to know how they can help. They really want to know how you are. And the last one, they are very good for your mental health. You find yourself feeling less and less anxious. You find yourself getting depressed uh, much less frequent, frequently. You find your anger issues are melting away. You find that you wake up grateful every day. They're really good for your mental health, and maybe you can't pinpoint why. Maybe it's because all of those other green flags I just mentioned are there. But they make you feel like the best version of yourself when you're around them. So those are some nice green flags to look for. We've talked so much about the negatives. thought today would be a good day to talk about the positives. So seven types of love. And a little little bit of Bible verses to go with it. Why not? Um, the point of life is, is love, right? So that was just my thought today. That the point of life is to love each other. To learn and to love. And spread love as much as possible in this world. Because sometimes the world is a scary, hateful, ugly, stupid place. And the more we can spread love to each other and support each other and be green flag people, the better the world can be. So go out there and love and be the change you want to see. And don't forget to love yourself in the process and take care of you. Until next time.